welcome to the Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half-truth. Full truth. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you decide what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. All right, all right, all right. Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand here to get you guys another episode of the amazing, the incredible, the awesome steroids podcast you know i'm going to be going back to thailand now um next month uh, at the end of september and i've been living in los angeles which was kind of like living in mexico and i was living in san francisco so been between san francisco and los angeles since january when I came home from Colombia with, uh, you know, having had surgery down there on the infection that I had in my leg from a bad shot of uh, underground lab steroids. Um, And, uh, you know, now I've been back in the United States and, you know, it's really been interesting uh, because the reason why I went to Thailand in the first place when I came back here to the United States and visited again, um, basically I was reminded of all those things again and it made me actually appreciate um, being in Thailand, being in the Philippines, being in Vietnam, being in Laos uh, more. Uh, It made me appreciate it more, having come back to the Western world and it really, really was essential for my my mental development uh, because now I've experienced being in my culture, being away from my culture for an extended period of time, you know, four years, and then coming back to my culture after having been completely gone like that for a long time. And man, the what you learn about yourself and the world around you and how you relate to it, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Now that I've completed that circuit, wow, it's been a mental transformation to me, uh, me- mental transformation for me. Um, so I'll just tell you some of the reasons why I went to uh, Thailand in the first place was because the the competition in America for success is like really high like most people are living um, a middle-class lifestyle where they're highly dependent on their jobs um, and and like need those jobs like month to month and that like basically like controls their life and then the returns aren't as big as they'd like for having to devote so much of themselves uh, to that thing. And then uh, the returns, you know, it would be a lot nicer if they were a lot greater for how hard you were working. So when you go to uh, a third world country, your dollar goes a lot further there, okay? So, you know, for example, 
if you have more than, you know, I'd say a minimum of $3,500 to $4,000 a month in Thailand, for example, uh, you, you, money is not no longer a matter to you. You do whatever you want, okay? Like, you don't think about money anymore. And if you're, you're making more than that, then you're going to be saving that. Uh, so that's the barrier to entry there. Something like, you know, you can live in Thailand for $1,500 a month and do so like comfortably, but yeah, like money's still going to be something that, you know, you're thinking about, you know, all the time whenever you spend money. But uh, once you get up to the, around, or if you get up to around, uh, like $4,000 a month or so, uh, that you're making, uh, it's like the same it's the same as being like an NFL like football player or something with the amount of money that you have because it doesn't matter what kind of lifestyle you want to live what kind of high class nightlife you want to go to if you're into that or you know what food you want to buy what restaurants you want to go to what dates you want to do uh what other kind of stuff that you want to do with your life you know uh even probably with performance enhancing drugs included like expensive ones like growth hormone and shit like if I mean, yeah, you can take that and uh, and uh, at like something like four thousand dollars a month and live all this different kinds of uh, lifestyle. Uh, you could, you know, for that much. And I'm talking about you know you got to be a millionaire CEO in America to be living that kind of lifestyle. So the barrier to the high class is a lot lower there, and your dollar goes a lot further. So it makes you feel a lot better about like money too, living that way because then you're i don't know it makes it makes you become instinctively more charitable uh and just more relaxed and and more giving to those around you it there's just a thing about um about the way that your money and your dollar goes a lot further there and you feel good about it you feel like every transaction you do you're really getting good value you're like you're like wow you know this is this is a a great value. I feel like uh, the price that I'm paying for this is the price that it's worth, or I might actually be getting a good deal. Whereas in America, usually uh, when I'm buying shit, I'm like, "Fuck, dude, I'm getting fucking ripped off!" Like constantly, you know, because the prices of everything is so high, and it's just like, "Well, that's just the price it is. That's the price you got to pay," you know. And it feels like a uh, like your dollar should be worth more than it is. Okay. And so you feel like you're getting bad value and then that makes you feel less charitable, which dude, feeling charitable is part, part of being happy. That's like a huge part of being happy is the way like, cause that's like totally a huge part of where happiness comes from is like seeing, uh, you cause other people to have good feelings and good emotions, seeing your presence, uh, you know, having the, the reflection that, uh, others, uh, days, take on you know that part of their day when you're in their presence if you can see a consistent thing where uh you know it brightens people's day to have you around uh that feels great and you know part of that is being uh you know charitable in heart not not just in money that's not what i mean by charitable like giving money to charity but i mean the way that you treat people when you feel like you aren't getting ripped off all the time and you're getting good value for the things that you're buying you develop this warmth in your heart, okay? So that is that's uh those are some of the major uh changes uh just, you know, getting value for your money uh living over there is. And then um 
in addition to that, you know, I'm just going to say, like, they think foreigners are pretty cool over there. So if you've ever wanted to know what it's like, um, if you're a bodybuilder, especially, they like bodybuilders. And if you've ever wanted to know what it's like to be like Justin Bieber or like Justin Timberlake and get like that kind of attention from girls or just like people in general, like, like you're a superstar when you go over there. Like <laughs> other bodybuilders, if they've been to Thailand, they'll they'll uh, they'll test to what I'm saying, man. You're you're a superstar, and so it's like it's like fuck yeah, like life just like freaking rules, like it just rules, man. It is it is awesome, and and then it's like gear is there and it's legal and it's pharmaceutical grade, and it's like it's there's good gyms uh and the thai people you know make a lot of food on the street there's always food everywhere um and everybody's smiling even if they do actually have you know some of the some people say oh well the thais have underhanded intentions behind those smiles you know sometimes that may be true but you know i think normally it is it's sincere it's part of the culture to keep a smile on your face there uh so so everybody's got a smile on and it just brightens my day it's like it's like i'm just walking on sunshine it's always warm you know, I'm, you know, everybody's happy with me uh, doing my, my testosterone or whatever I do over there, you know. Nobody's got any problems with that. It, it's not culturally unacceptable. And uh, you know what? I'm just walking on the sunshine. I got Thai people smiling at me. I'm smiling back at them. You know, like there's hella girls that are interested in you like crazy. Like, and they're not, they're not wretched girls either. Like, they're not these girls that walk around with these faces like, oh, I'm too good for you and shit. Like all these girls do, you know, like, like all these girls in Western society. And it's like, what the fuck? Because they're getting so much attention 24 seven from dudes like hitting them up on Instagram and shit or Facebook or whatever. Uh, that they think they're the shit, even if they're not even attractive. And so, like, they have no need for any male attention whatsoever, right? Like, zero, because they are having their quota filled up. So, fuck that, dude. That's not how the women in Thailand are. That's not the way the culture is, okay? The culture over there is that the women, they, like, they care. They say, uh, they'll ask themselves questions like, how, how does a woman be beautiful on the inside and the outside, and, and they'll they'll like think about these questions and, and these then talk with themselves. They've all a lot of them have got kind of funny voices when they try to speak English, but kind of highish voices. Uh, and they, uh, you, you know, they they'll say like very feminine, very feminine qualities. They're trying to please you. And, and I'm not talking because some people say, oh, it's only pros in Thailand. No, it's only pros in Thailand if you're in Pattaya or if you're in Bangkok or Phuket, you know, these tourist areas. Um, and you're looking for that there. I mean, there's plenty of normal girls. Dude, there's like 10 million people in Bangkok. You're telling me that it's just one section of Bangkok that does that. So you, there's tons of colleges. OK, and the best places to live are away from the uh, the tourist stuff because that shit you know it's a drain on your life living around that tourist areas you got to live among the ties okay don't go there to be among other foreigners so i plop myself down right among the ties i like to live in the countryside out in northeast thailand near uh cambodia and laos it's called isan and so it's like they some of them have never even seen a white person before out there 
And so then I come there and I'm like a unicorn. It's kind of funny. <laughs> but, you know what? I should just, I should just, before I go there this time, get a, uh, a little, a little like, a, like horn that I can stick between my eyes and I could strap it around like a, you know, basically like a little kid's birthday hat. I could strap it around back behind my ears. And this time when I show up in Thailand, I can get off that plane and have that horn on my on my face between my between my eyes with that birthday hat type of uh, elastic shit between behind my ears baby and i'll be like hello thailand and you know what a unicorn will have landed that's basically the effect that it can have at times um like i said they think foreigners are really cool they they uh they're interested but they're really shy um but as you know the, the women are not they're not trying to do this feminism or or equal rights shit or anything like that. They don't care about shit like that. They're, that's like a non-issue to them. They're, they're just worried about like living like a happy life and they just like want to share it with someone and have them be like have like true love forever after. They're all like the you know, like the, the Disney princesses that that they uh they watch all those growing up and and they just want to have a life like exactly like they see on those Disney princess movies those cartoon movies like Sleeping Beauty or Cinderella or or shit like that like they're trying to model that that's their life's dream and it gets dashed all the time by like a you know like a, a lot of their Thai boyfriends like uh cheat on them cuz it's i mean it's just the way it is and it, and it can kind of poison that a little bit so you want to be with Thai girls that have not been with, you know, they're, you usually want to be with the ones that are pretty young because they have like the most gracious hearts ever. And, uh, I'm talking like, you know, anywhere between 18 to 25 years old, usually, uh, they have the most gracious hearts ever. They are so kind. And, um, and, and, you know, if you're willing to, um, be kind back to them, they will just open up like uh like open up their uh their heart for you and and give you give you you know everything you wanted uh you know i'm talking i'm talking like emotionally physically whatever they are really great companions so this is some of the perks of living in thailand guys this is some of the reasons why you know when uh when i was in when i was in college my last year you know i was saying to myself you know as i was getting my psychology degree at university of california i was like i was in this liberal liberal ass school right and being shoved all this shit down my throat for a few years you know and so i was like checked out man and and i was thinking man i'm not gonna go to more school for this bullshit and get like a master's degree or something like i'm just getting my degree you know my bachelor's degree and i'm out of here and uh and i was so checked out of what i was learning too because it was all bullshit i was taking classes about like homosexuals rights or, or not not homosexual rights it, it was like a like like a it was weird shit man it was weird shit it was classes about how homosexuals and transsexuals and toxic masculinity are connected and 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 all this shit i was writing essays about him and i kept on getting like f's on them and having to go see my professor after class it was a total nightmare, you guys. It was a total nightmare. So, <laughs> can you believe this? Can you believe this? I can't either. I still am in disbelief. 
and and so uh so after i got my freaking so during that last semester of school i was like fuck dude i don't want to go like do like this stupid ass psychology shit and it just doesn't sound good and uh but i learned a lot and so i was like i've got to find something else to do and that was when i started my website my first website kratomhappy.com and that's what i was making my income on then for like the next like uh two years and then i was also starting bodybuilder in thailand after the first year on kratomhappy.com and i was working on that and then when kratomhappy.com went down then bodybuilder in thailand was making enough money uh to support me uh by that time and then uh so that that's how i uh did all that and that's what inspired me to want to start working online because you know how people say this stupid ass shit about like oh you know 50% of all small businesses fail and, and all this like bullshit. And I'm like, go fuck yourself when I hear that shit. Cause, cause, uh, you know what? This is what's up. This is what's up. If you have an idea and you know, it's going to work, then that is what it is. Okay. So with Kratom, I knew that I liked Kratom. And so, you know, when I made a website that was an informational website about Kratom and made videos about it and stuff, I knew that people would be able to see me in the videos and, and uh, read my writing that I wrote and on the, written on the articles talking about the benefits that I had in my life and whatever side effects were that were in there. I knew that they would click the damn links that I put there uh, that had a link to the Kratom supplier that I was using. And they were giving me 20% uh, commission for sales that came through my link, you know. And But I knew that there was going to be people that looked at my goddamn website that were going to click the link and, and buy it because, you know, it was a good product. And if I was talking to my friend and I said that to them and I said it to, you know, I don't know how many people were visiting the website every day, but you know, after, after six months and it was at least, you know, a few hundred or so visiting the website every day. And, and if you're going to say that to, you know, a bunch of friends and, and talk about the benefits and the negatives and then recommend the place that you use. Yeah. Some of them are going to freaking buy it. Like, like it's just obvious so that was how I just knew it was going to work uh, before I started because I was like, yeah, this is how it's going to work. And then with uh, Bodybuilder in Thailand, I knew that I wanted to do uh, a second income stream because that's I started that back when I was still doing the Kratom thing, but I had to c shut the Kratom uh, thing down. Uh, but I started Bodybuilder in Thailand because uh, I was like, yeah, I want to have a second income stream. And then uh, I, I was thinking, okay, I want to do like a fitness industry thing. Or like a bodybuilding thing because that's what I like and I've been studying this for a long time and doing it, you know. I was, you know, starting to become uh, pretty experienced with using steroids and had been researching them for a long time prior to, the, to that, you know, about s seven years before I started. Uh, and then uh, and then I, I was thinking, uh, shoot, lost my train of thought there. Lost my train of thought there. Okay, yeah, bodybuilderinthailand.com. And, and so I was thinking, yeah, I want to do this. I want to do like fitness industry and I want to base it around like truth in the fitness industry because it had taken me a long time to get there and and figure out, you know, going through that whole thing where where I was like coached by 3DMJ, Team 3DMJ, Matt Ogus is coach and everything and really had that whole journey where, you know, I went from, you know, natural uh, to enhanced and and really like learning the whole process and you know, meeting a lot of other steroid users and really getting a feel for how things really are in the real world, like in gyms, what you see in the gyms, uh, you know, not what's talked about on the Internet.
And uh, so, so I knew that I had that skill and I wanted to, you know, parlay that into doing something where I could be, uh, you know, doing my personality or um, doing what I was interested in, talking what I was interested in and what I knew about on the internet. And then the same thing, like sending, uh, recommending things that I knew worked and then, you know, saying what I knew didn't work and just uh, saying the full spectrum, si side effects, everything, you know, not not um, only saying good things, but also saying bad things about uh, bodybuilding uh, stuff or supplements or, or SARMs or whatever. Or, or steroids, whatever, you know, but I've never done any uh, selling with any uh, illegal performance enhancing drugs. I've never participated in anything like that. Um, but I've talked about their effects. That's what I mean when I included that word with, uh, with uh, saying the positive and negative uh, aspects of them. So, uh, you know, if you just talk to, that's always the attitude that I've had is that if you just talk to friends, you know, and you give you just talk with them and provide, you know, an exchange of information, an exchange of value, um, and talk about what your interests are and what you're skilled at. Of course, there's going to be recommendations or, or things that you say to avoid. And, you know, that information is going to be transmitted between you and your friends, your acquaintances that you talk to in real life. So what I was thinking was, okay, well, just, you know, you got to become a public figure in each industry that you want to do it in. So, you know, first I made the YouTube videos for the Kratom or whatever and became like a figure who people like knew on the internet. Oh yeah, that Kratom guy, you know, that guy, uh, Dan from KratomHappy.com, that Kratom guy. Uh, and so I was like a figure that had like a, like a word in that industry or that, or that like field, that niche. Uh, and so people would come to for advice and that was my first experience. And then that's been the same way that I was, especially with my first YouTube channel, Dan, the bodybuilder in, uh, uh, in Thailand, or I think it was just bodybuilder in Thailand before that got censored because I was talking about PEDs channel got deleted when I had like 20,000 subscribers. That was a shame. Uh, was getting, you know, millions of views on that one. So, uh, it, it is, uh, a shame that that one had to go, but, that that was the same thing it was like i got to position myself um and here's something that i'm willing to talk about that other people aren't uh so that was kind of like my angle on that and then uh you know i was said well in order to be a person in 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 this industry and make this uh profitable at all i've got to position myself as someone who people can come to for knowledge and and trust like be someone like in that field that people can say oh yeah that guy you know that dan bodybuilder in thailand guy so that's you know with the thailand addition to the the bodybuilding that's how i got the name bodybuilder in thailand so that i would be that was my initial angle was that i was going like okay i'm a bodybuilder i offer like bodybuilding and fitness information plane flying overhead um but in addition to that, I'm in Thailand, so it added like my own special twist on it. And that was how uh, I was thinking of separating myself. And that's how I separated myself from other people. That's how I got people. Um, I came up with something memorable by doing that. So it's like, oh, yeah, that 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 uh, that Thailand guy, that that bodybuilder in Thailand guy that. Oh, yeah, that Dan bodybuilder over there in Thailand guy or. You know, people could say that and peop then people would think, oh, yeah, I recognize that. So, 
little some information uh, about my life to open up this episode of the Steroids Podcast. And I um, hope you guys enjoyed learning that about me. Now you know a lot more about me. You know, if you've been listening to the Steroids Podcast now, it's, I mean, we're at like, what, like 10 hours, like at least like 10 hours of listening now. So I'm sure if you've listened this far, you've uh, wondered, what is that guy Dan doing over there in Thailand? All right, let's get on to some questions. First question of the day is Billy Bones. And Billy Bones asks, Dan, hope all is well, brother. Thanks, man. I'm doing good. Been loving your podcasts. Real good content. Quick question. Do you think Nick Wright is natural? He's a, he's a YouTuber. He's a powerlifter and sometimes natural bodybuilder on, on YouTube. Been around for a lot of years. I know he was, but after seeing him totally smash a six-wheel squat, it got me thinking. 585 pounds at under 200 pounds natural? What do you think? 405 bench, too. Yeah, this guy's always looked natural to me. His, his muscles look like pillows. They do not look like shapely and hard uh, and muscular the way that steroid users' muscles do. Like, they don't look steroidish at all. Um... And then when he diets down for his bodybuilding competitions, he looks, he resembles a Holocaust victim. Like, he doesn't look muscular at all. He looks like he's on the verge of death. Uh, so, and just like so whittled away and, and just uh, like futile. Like, it, it looks horrible. It looks horrible. So, <laughs> what? I don't think he's on anything, man. I think this guy's a true natural because I see him diet down for those bodybuilding competitions. And I'm like, oh, my God, dude. Oh, my God. You're... It's like it's not a, it's not a it's not a good thing, man. It's not a good sight to see. You don't want to see somebody looking like that, looking so close to just withering away. So I don't think that he is natural or sorry. I don't think he's on steroids. Or, or SARMs or anything, but he's been lifting for like years, man, like more than a decade. And he's always been pretty damn strong. Like, I know he doesn't look muscular, like, like he looks like a strong natural guy. He's not so small and scrawny like that when he's not dieted down for a competition. He's more like, and he's another guy that I think he looks a little bit bigger in real life than he does over the camera because he doesn't have like muscular shape or anything. And you can't see muscular arms. You just see kind of big puffy arms. It's hard to gauge how big that looks in real life. Usually people that look like that on camera look significantly just larger, like larger overall people when you see them in real life rather than guys who are who have a really muscular build uh, or, or have a really muscular look or hard look to their arms and stuff like that. Uh, in pictures, sometimes you'll see them in real life and they're not quite as big as they looked in the pictures. So that's how that kind of is. And then uh, the other thing is that, yeah, he's been strong for a long time. Um, and he's never made, like, really quick progress. I was majorly impressed because after you sent me this, I went and looked at that 585 squat. And, yeah, that was heavy as shit. Um, and he did it clean, too. So 
I mean, that is pretty impressive. Like, and uh, I was I was like, wow, good job, man. Um, you know, that is so strong at being under 200 pounds too and being able to do that. I'll tell you, like, that's not impossible. That's not impossible. I don't think I don't think that would be impossible uh, to be able to be able to do that naturally. Uh, some people are really strong because of the way that their tendons and muscle insertions and bones are set up because they have better leverages. You know, if you if you're like holding a wrench, a small wrench, you can't pull uh, as hard of uh, when you're trying to like take a nut off of like the wheel on your car. With a small wrench, that's like you have to push so hard, and it's probably impossible. You got to get something with a bigger handle, and then it gives you bigger leverage, and you don't have to push as hard, and you're able to exert more force. So, different parts, like if someone's uh, tendon for their muscle inserts on a different uh, area of the bone than another person, like further down, like the the humerus arm bone, or further down the femur leg bone, or something, you know, and they get a better leverage. Uh, because of the angle of that tendon to the bone, they can be significantly stronger than other people because of those leverage effects and you know where you're pulling on the bone and the way that the bones are positioned in in uh in a, in adjacent to other bones. So that's why some guys are just like so freakishly strong and it doesn't make sense or they're really like skinny sometimes and you see them and they're really strong and and it's, it's like what the hell uh, these guys have leverage advantages uh where where they're they've got great leverage on some of their bones and muscles and they're able to exert more force because of those great leverages like they're the force that they generate with their muscles generates uh it's more efficient in transmitting that force to the the weights that they're lifting so that's what i think about him does he have contacts that use roids yeah he does is it possible that he used some roids to get up to this lift? Yeah, it's possible. Is it possible that he still doesn't look like he's on roids? Well, I don't think he had his shirt off, so how would anyone know? Uh, you know, it, it's possible that he used some roids to get up to this lift. But, you know, with this guy, other than this lift, I've never seen anything that would make me, I mean zero, that would make me think that he was on roids. This is a little bit like, whoa, that's really impressive but i wouldn't say it's impossible so that's my opinion on him that's my opinion on nick wright natural bodybuilder youtube celebrity all right next question is kyle and he says some research chemical sites have extreme dmz with the ingredients listed as dimethyl dimethazine and methyl stenbolone do you think these are not bunk i thought they were banned do they have any usefulness and at what dosages? Yeah, so these are designer steroids uh, that, you know, designer steroids like Superdraw or uh, that one, Epistane. Epistane was a designer steroid too. And then there was like the DMZ designer steroid and then uh, Stenbolone. Yeah, methyl Stenbolone was a designer steroid too, released by supplement companies. They're loophole steroids uh, that... You know, they weren't scheduled because they weren't uh, put as drugs in on the Schedule 3 controlled substance list in America. Uh, back when they made that law, when they made steroids illegal, they put all the known steroids that they knew about 
by name on that list and said these are the substances that are banned. So then designer steroids were uh, steroids that people came up with or found from research back into studies when steroids were being researched and discovered back in the 60s and 50s uh, and then started recreating them again that weren't on that list. They weren't on that list uh, of the banned steroids, so they, they skipped over the law and were, they would then say, like, this has a natural way of uh, being found in nature <laughs> and sell them as dietary supplements. Uh, so so that, that's how people, uh, that's how things like Superdrawl or like M1T, uh, methyl-1 testosterone, uh, was sold in, in the supplement stores. And so these two that you're asking about, methylstenbolone, and uh, extreme DNs, DMZ, these these were like that. So these ones, I think they've been mentioned. I think they've been mentioned by the FDA. Like these are not okay to sell, and you may be prosecuted for selling them. But I don't think that the the they are in the law yet. That that these are illegal steroids to sell. So I think this this company, if you're finding them, it's probably legit. Um, and it's, it's like, they've been told by the government, like you, you can't sell this and they're doing it anyway, but I don't think it's actually, um, an illegal substance that they're selling. So I think they're taking a big risk selling that. That's what I think. But yeah, they are, they're both steroids. Uh, dimethazine is two super molecules bound together, uh, by some kind of chemical bond and so you do get some when the when that bond gets broken you get some super in your blood and then some other some other kind of uh steroid molecule i think it's i think it's uh just like the methazine part or something like that that's why it says dimethazine two two molecules and it has the super uh molecules attached so it's really strong yeah it's really strong uh really strong steroids Methylstenbolone is a strong steroid too, uh, and yeah, I think they're probably useful, and I think that they're probably legit if being sold from that place. I think that place is uh, taking a risk, taking a risk, a pretty big risk selling that that other companies are not willing to do, and that's why other companies stopped selling those products. Next question is from Samuel and he asks injection protocol when injecting twice per week for a total of 700 milligrams primobolin 700 milligrams testinanthate a lot of oil but not enough injection spots to heal by the next rotation can I inject 4cc in the same spot like glutes or lats my lats tense up for days post pinning thank you bro okay I think that the lats is not the greatest injection site because it's near your armpit it's near a skin fold so you're getting sweat that makes bacteria go right in that area uh frequently so i just don't think it's a good idea injecting into a place that of your body that has a lot of bacteria on it although of course you use alcohol to clean it off before you start it just seems like the logical way to approach it would be to avoid areas of your body that are known for having lots of bacteria in those spots to be injection spots. Um, so 700 milligrams of primobolin. So that's going to be 700, that's going to be seven cc's of primobolin per week. 
Uh, so that that's seven cc's in a syringe, and usually a syringe is three milliliter syringe. Um, he's asking, can I inject four cc in the same spot, like glutes? Yeah, you can. You can do a five cc injection into uh, your glutes, but that's going to cause quite a lot of swelling and uh, irritation, and just not something I'd want to do. Also, it's uncommon to use five cc syringes, and I mean three cc's is enough. I don't want to put more than that. I mean, you could do that if you wanted, because you'd need three cc's of testinanthate and three cc's of primobolin, uh, and you'd need to, sorry, you'd need three cc's of testosterone and anthate per week and seven cc's of primobolin per week to do this cycle. So that's 10 cc's. So if you did uh, like a <laughs> five cc injection twice per week, man, that would suck. I wouldn't do it like that. The way that I would do it is I'd use a three cc syringe the normal, the normal size syringe. And, uh, I would put, Hmm, I would put, yeah, this is what I would do. I will, I will go three cc's of primobolin twice per week. So that would be 600 milligrams. And then on the same day that I did the three cc's of primobolin, I would just do the, the testinanthate 1.5 milliliters so it would be 350 milliliters of or 375 milliliters so it ended up being 750 milligrams testosterone per week um and i would do that both of those twice per week and have it be 600 milligrams of primobolin because that's like uh that's the only way that you can do that and have it be normal um another way that you could do it would be to inject 900 milligrams of primobolin each week or something like that i mean there's no real way to 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 put this stuff to put this stuff out um you just gotta figure out how much it is all right 10 cc's so you're gonna do maybe three cc's and just overload the syringe a little bit three times per week or something like that if you've got 10 cc's to do or you could just you know add in another injection and make it 12 cc's or something or another <laughs> injection at the end of the week if if you're worrying about like having the injections uh wanting to minimize that and uh you know always being thinking about this kind of shit that's that's not the things that are the big things that you should really be thinking about in order to make bodybuilding happen these things are like insignificant or like wanting to have that 100 milligrams extra of steroids in there or or being like oh yeah you know taking 300 milligrams of testosterone per week instead of 200 milligrams of testosterone per week is going to really make any difference. Not really, or even less, like 700 milligrams of testosterone or 600 milligrams of testosterone. You won't be able to tell the difference. So stressing about stuff like that or, or stressing about like, oh, I don't want to do a lot of injections. You just got to do whatever is necessary because these kind of things, it's not the... It's not this kind of stuff that you should be spending a lot of time thinking about and trying to worry about them because it's insignificant for the gains in the long run. So, I mean, if I had 700 milligrams of primobolin to do, I would just do two, two 3cc syringes full of primobolin per week. And I would do those on like Monday and Thursday. And then on Sunday, what I'd probably do is I'd take a one milliliter insulin syringe and I'd put in one more milliliter of primobolin on Sunday to make 700 milligrams. Um, or maybe 
I wouldn't do that. And instead, I'd just do an injection of testosterone, uh, you know, one, one and a half cc's with that seventh hundred milli, that seventh uh, hundred milligram. So an extra one cc plus one point one cc primobolin and one point five cc's testosterone in the syringe for a total of two and a half cc's, and then that would be. Uh, 700 milligrams total of primobolin when it was added to the 3cc syringes of primobolin that I did on Monday and Thursday. And then on Monday, or no, on Thursday, I'd have to add another shot. So in addition to that 3cc shot of primobolin, I'd also have to do another shot on Thursday. And it would have to be a separate syringe because there wouldn't be enough room in the 3cc syringe. It'd have to be a separate syringe. And it would have to be filled with 1.5 cc's of testosterone. And that's how I would get to 3 cc's of testosterone per week. And 700 milligrams of primobolin per week. It'd have to be two injections on Thursday. A testosterone injection and a primobolin injection. Monday would just be 3 cc's primobolin. And then uh, Sunday would be one cc primobolin with one and a half cc's testosterone. That's the only way to make it make sense. <laughs> Taking some math here. Doing some math with you, Samuel. All right. Next question. Joel asks, drugs for John Skywalker's physique. John Skywalker is an Instagram model. And he is honest about his drug dosages so you can look on his uh on his pictures on his profile and he has some lists of the drugs and dosages that he uses which is usually trenbolone around 300 milligrams per week and testosterone at a similar dosage with some cabergoling and he's been doing that for years and he's pretty much looked the same throughout the years and uh i would say that he could probably even get a little bit bigger than he is on that same dosage and still be as ripped. Um, but he's really tall. So it's probably hard for him to put on a lot of mass. Uh, he's like six foot four. So those guys, they burn through calories a lot faster than if you're five foot 10 or something like that. Um, so it's hard for them to put on mass, but yeah, his, his dosages that he says that he uses are totally accurate. He's not, he's not pulling the, the blinds over anyone. He is, uh, you know, he is, and then I don't think that Boston Lloyd is a good person to be spending a lot of time around. He seems like a really negative person and, um, you know, not my kind of guy, but he does tell the honest truth about dosages and like what it takes, uh, to make certain physiques and stuff with dosages. He is saying it accurately. So that's another guy that says it accurately. All right, so yeah, if you want to look like John Skywalker and know his drugs, yeah, um, 1cc of testosterone propionate and 1cc uh, trenbolone acetate um, every other day. So that would be 100 milligrams of both testosterone propionate and 100 milligrams of trenbolone acetate every other day for a total of 350 milligrams each per week. Those are the steroids that you would need. Um, then you'd need an anti-estrogen pill like uh, Romacin, 
and you'd need to take a few of those at 25 milligrams as each pill and you'd need to take a few of those per, per week and uh, in order to have a functioning sex drive too you'd need to have cabergolin and you need to be taking um, 0.5 half milligram tablets uh, two to three times per week something like Monday, Wednesday, Friday or uh, Tuesday, Thursday something like that and then uh, with the, the exameste and the, the anti-estrogen tablets it's also called aromasin you know, taking those like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, something like that. And then that would look like the complete cycle. And then uh, when you were done, you know, H HCG, by the way, is the best PCT drug. So I would definitely have HCG. And I'd also have uh, Clomid. Uh, Clomid, after the cycle, I'd take that for around four weeks at 25 to 50 milligrams per day. And I'd take the HCG uh, intramuscular injection from an insulin syringe. I'd take that at two to 3,000 IUs per week, and I'd split that into two or three injections, each 1,000 IU injection. And that would be my PCT. I'd maintain that for about a month doing those things. So that's how, personally, I would run a cycle that was like the cycles that John Skywalker uses for his physique. Sammy asks, do you know if I have to PCT after a proviron cycle i heard it's not suppressive to the um to the hypothalamic pituitary testicular axis that's the the uh system of your body the uh hormone system uh feedback loop that controls your fertility and your your sex hormones so basically controls your testicles their feedback loop called the abbreviated hpta um yeah so proviron doesn't really uh, suppressed testosterone. I know that seems kind of weird because it's, it's a steroid. It's not a steroid that builds muscle. It only has androgenic effects, which means it only acts, um, in tissues other than muscle. Uh, and it's, it's very similar, almost identical to DHT, dihydrotestosterone, your, um, your normal androgen, your normal androgen, uh, that does everything in your body for male, for a male body. And male hormones except for in the muscles so proviron is like an oral substitute for this but it do, you know if testosterone isn't being decreased in the body which in studies that show that guys taking proviron they don't have a decrease in testosterone levels at least not significantly and that's at like 25 to 50 milligrams per day um, it just adds to their total hormonal load and I've seen some of my friends take this stuff. You know, I told you guys in one of the podcasts about like my friends in Thailand or something an occasion would be like, man, that looks cool. Like the, uh, the kind of lifestyle that taking steroids helps you to live. And they're like, is there anything I can take? And sometimes I'd be like, you know, if they would really be insistent, but I knew that they weren't like a consistent gym goer, you know, and it would just mess up their life. I'd be like, you know what? There is something at the pharmacy. There's this stuff called proviron. So if you take that at like 50 milligrams per day, it won't suppress your natural testosterone much. And, uh, you know, it'll give you a crazy sex drive and it might give you some acne and oily skin, but like compulsive sex drive, you know, it's going to be like compulsive sex drive in your face, man. Cause this stuff proviron goes right to your brain. The main effect that you see is like more oily skin um, and some acne or like deep cystic acne. And, uh, even in a guy like myself that doesn't get acne, um, and then like sexual, like compulsions, this happens in everyone, by the way. Um, you know, 
it's like it's like damn i'm not trying to become some kind of like masturbating freak over here or something you know and that's at like 50 to 75 or even 100 milligrams per day of uh of proviron will do that and mastron injectable mastron will do the same thing uh it really has strong effects on the sex drive that is like what the heck it's like the area of your brain is just stimulated all day long it's freaking crazy it's really weird <laughs> but yeah they would take that they would take that and they'd be like damn this shit works <laughs> so then uh, they'd tell their friends and then more of their friends would start running it got a bunch of guys but it's it's meant for old guys it's meant for guys like years ages 60 70 80 years old to be able to like have sex drive that's the reason for the tablets like help them have like vitality energy and sex drive so when young guys take it it's like out of control dude <laughs> this is no exaggeration all right next question uh blue sti asks hey dan what do you like better anavar or winstraw which one gives the best effects what's good dosages and your favorite yeah um i like Winstraw because Winstraw is pretty good stuff um Winstraw is really good it has a big effect on nutrient partitioning so i mean just taking the tablets you'll start to get a little bit leaner at like 50 to 100 milligrams per day any anywhere between those dosages when combined with at least you know one or two cc's of testosterone per week you'll start to get like significantly stronger too and it'll also fill your muscles out and give them a more bursting against the skin but also it just gives a really good look like a really good hard hardening of the muscles and helping them to look look awesome look hard and muscular uh that's what Winstrol does. It helps you to be strong, uh, have good nutrient partitioning. So it's harder to gain fat. It's easier to lose fat. And it's also uh, pretty good for gaining like a lot of strength and also good for gaining muscle size. Uh, and it does all those things at the same time. Is it as strong as trend? No, not even anywhere close to strong as trend. But this stuff works and it's really good stuff. So it. You know, some people say it's like a trenbolone light. I mean, yeah, it, it's another one of those drugs that, you know, it's a component. It carries some of the same qualities of trend, but it doesn't give the same overall effect as trenbolone by a long shot. Like, trenbolone, like, kills it when you compare it, like, head to head, you know? But it does have some of those same effects. Um, so it's great. Yeah, I love it. I love Winstraw. Uh, this is not medical advice. It's just uh, me sharing, me sharing my opinion. Me sharing my opinion and experience and not glorifying, not glorifying this at all. Um, for building muscle, it's very good. Um, and then Anavar, it, it's just not as strong, man. The, the thing with Anavar, though, is it's more healthy than any other steroid. You know, you can get sick on Winstrol from taking it for too long or for too high of a dosage, but that doesn't happen that much. It's, it's really, like, not, like, super toxic or anything. But then Anavar is even less toxic, like, you know... Some people get headaches on Anavar. I, I, I actually do get headaches on Anavar from anywhere above like 30 or 40 milligrams per day, and that doesn't really do much at all. You got to take at least 50 milligrams of legit Anavar to make it like make a big difference and make you be like, yeah, I feel this stuff for sure. And I'm, and I'm noticing the effects. It's got to be, you know, legit Anavar, Oxandrolone, and it's got to be over 50 milligrams. That's, that's the way it is. 
And, uh, you know, if people say lower, that's not true. So, uh, <laughs> uh, it, that's the way that is. It, it also helps you look better. It helps you look more cut up. It's not quite as sharp as sharp and uh, sucked down, uh, sucked down and blown up from within at the same time. Look as Winstrol. It's it's not really a sucked down look at all. It's more of a volumizing look that Anovar has, in con, in combination with a, a nice a nice chiseled look. But it, it doesn't have any of that sucked down quality to it. Um, and it's more of just like a nice boost. It's a nice boost. It helps you get stronger. Yeah. But it's just not like uh, Winstrol, where, where Winstrol is like, that's a pretty hard hit, you know? Like, you take Winstrol, and things change big time. Uh, you know, they don't change to the absolute most extreme that they possibly could, you know? But, but they do change. Like, things seriously change in your, your, uh, your bodybuilding life when you get on Winstrol. And Anavar is more like turbocharging what you've already got going. That, that's the best way that I could, I could rate it, rate it like that. But... You can stay on Anavar a lot longer uh, and not get sick at all. So, And Anavar is processed by the kidneys, not the liver. So that's another thing about it is it stresses a different part of your body than most oral steroids. They actually prescribe it for helping people recover uh, recover their, their liver health after getting uh, like fatty liver disease from from alcoholism and the doctors sometimes prescribe them anavar to help them grow their livers back <laughs> all right the next question is uh Cy asks thoughts on cut mix test trend masteron okay testosterone trenbolone and masteron are all hormones that have value in bodybuilding the masteron for me it's not comfortable to use Mastron, so I don't really like Mastron myself. It just, you know, it makes my skin get like this thick oil slick on the top of it. It looks good, and, you know, it helps, you know, it looks great. Uh, the way that it makes your muscles like more defined and shiny. Um, but it also has that really extreme sex drive uh, quality that is, you know, that's really annoying and distracting. I'm trying to get stuff done. And... It, uh, you know, it's it's just whatever. It's blah because it doesn't build any muscle at all. It builds zero. It's deactivated in muscle tissue by an enzyme called 3-beta-hydroxysteroid dehydrogenase. And so it doesn't build muscle at all. Uh, it just has effects like on your skin and like on your mind and shit like that. I don't like it. Some people, you know, since it increases your sex drive and some people have... Well, most people, most everybody at some point and at what dosage uh, will have sex drive issues on Trenbolone. So Mastron, using that to kind of try and override that, um, that's that's the one of the main reasons that it's used. And then adding that to the, uh, adding to that look that it gives with your skin and the that really dense oil slick, oil layer. It's, it's a really dense layer of oil that shines as a special way of shining. Uh, making your your skin and uh, the definition of your muscles look good, uh, but so generally, that's that's Masteron. But I don't like getting these things that are three different steroids in one vial. For one thing, it's not as healthy because in order to get it like that, they got to put all kinds of like solvents and shit in there, and they're using all these synthetic chemicals to get that stuff all dissolved into it. So 
then these things that are these mixes, like 100 milligrams testosterone, 100 milligrams trembolone, 100 milligrams mastron in one cc, and then 10 cc's of that in a vial called cut mix. That's usually that's usually what UGLs call it, underground labs. And uh, that stuff is notorious for causing like infections and swelling and uh, like pain at the injection site and like all kinds of problems because they have to use heavy solvents and stuff to get that stuff diluted a lot of chemicals a lot of synthetic chemicals to get that stuff all diluted down into one cc of oil and it's probably synthetic oil too and then to uh it's just not good stuff and who knows if they're putting all the dosages in there correctly anyways i'd rather draw from a vial or ampule ampules are usually always better than vials by the way because with ampules you know they had to put a lot of effort into that to get, you know, ampules of their steroids made. So these people aren't really cutting corners. Like they're really putting a lot into getting these ampules out of glass manufactured with their steroids locked inside the glass. You know, they're not just, you know, getting some freaking steroid bullshit powder and then mixing it up and slapping it in a vial and crimping it with their hand. Right. They actually had to go through a huge like machinery process to get these ampules made. So generally ampules are more likely to be legit than vials. That's just the way it is. And, um, you know, but usually this stuff, this, this mix, you know, what if it's not a hundred milligrams of testrin and Mastron in each vial? What if they are underdosing some of the chemicals in there? I just feel like they would probably have, cause these are not high integrity guys who are, you know, manufacturing, UGL steroids, you know, like if you want high integrity, you need to only use pharma grade, especially with injections. Uh, but, you know, you can't be thinking, you got to be thinking, you know, what kind of corners are these guys going to be cutting on me? So I'm not doing that. Okay. Personally, I'm not doing that. Buying any cut mix. That's what I think of it. <laughs> Dylan asks, what do you think of injectable SARMs? Man, I saw this and I'm like, what the hell is that? You know what? SARMs are totally orally, uh, orally absorbable. So why would you need, and they don't stress your liver either when you absorb them. So why the hell would you need to inject something that absorbs like more than 90% by putting it through your mouth? That makes no sense at all. Like just because you love injecting yourself, I'm like, what the hell is this? So <laughs> like that was one of the stupidest ideas I've ever heard of injecting SARMs. That's just fucking stupid. Like somebody is like pulling your ass around. If you're, if you're injecting SARMs, man, some kind of needle pusher, some kind of person who is like, just like loves needles and giving themselves injections is going to be the type is like, I got to find a way to inject everything. Reminds me of people who are like finding like a, stuff to like stick up their asses and shit or people who are like going to their grandma's house and like stealing opioids and st shooting them up their ass and shit like that i'm like what the fuck they're just trying to put shit all up their ass like what the hell man so anyways next question that's what i think about injectable sarms jordan <laughs> says i want to know your thoughts on something so i was on test trend mastron and winnie these common uh common cycles guys for for looking, uh, looking good and getting contests, getting ripped up, shit like that. Everything is finished except I'm still running 600 test ananthe until the end of the month. Even though everything else has been done for a while, now I feel stronger, my veins are popping more, and I feel much fuller being off of everything else but the testosterone. Also have skin itching problems. 
uh, that that went away. They went away after he went off and is just on the the test the testosterone now. Okay, yeah. Why why did your cycle get stronger when you went off of the other stuff but stayed on the testosterone? You were probably toxic. You're probably having some health issues while you're on all the other stuff. And so steroids is all about um, being able to process your food at maximum efficiency. Okay, they change the environment in your body and how it processes food to, to handle it and push put on muscle tissue, etc. In response to the to the food and the training. So if your digestive organs aren't working good because they're under stress from, you know, taking Trenbolone and, and Winstrol or Masteron or whatever, uh, then the, the, ster the steroids, even though they're in your body and they're, uh, they're there making the, helping that environment uh, be very anabolic, it's like if the digestive organs aren't functioning at a top rate, then everything is fucked. So that's like the importance of being healthy and being on steroids. That's why a lot of times when guys are bulking too, that like if you notice a lot of pros when they're bulking they're not like so loaded up on so many compounds and stuff it's usually like the like testosterone and deca or testosterone and uh equipoise or um usually those or sometimes trenbolone too uh being pushed up at really high dosages uh and then and then like just little bits of a couple orals like i don't know 100 milligrams of anadrol or 200 milligrams of anadrol or 100 milligrams of dianabol being added to that and then, you know, just using growth hormone insulin and no other drugs when they're doing the bulking phase uh, because they're trying to stay, like, not toxic. Because when you get toxic, it really makes the steroids not work good. When those digestive organs are under stress and your body's under stress from being toxic, it makes everything get shit on as far as building muscle. So that's what I think probably happened there with you. Um, also, the skin itching problems is a sign that you're toxic. Your body is, is toxic and under a lot of stress from the steroids you're taking. Um, when that happens, you'll notice it because your your uh, your immune system starts getting lowered, and you'll start getting like little like allergic reactions. Like you'll notice some people will notice hives or like little like bumps of like itching red little like hive type things on their fingers or something like that um, because their their uh, their immune system their immune system gets lowered uh, from the toxicity. It's not working as well. And then like little things or like the presence of all the gear in their body, stuff like that will be causing uh, more of an allergic uh, response by the body and a freak out response. And sometimes they'll get these little hives and little itchy, itchy bits to the skin as sort of an allergic reaction. Their threshold for irritation and uh, and having allergy, allergies, things like that or getting sick gets lowered as the toxicity from the steroids or performance enhancing drugs is high. And then these little irritations, uh, their body has a, a bigger response to them when they happen. All right, next question is from Bojek. My question is, would this be an okay cruise? 150 milligrams testinanthate per week, 100 milligrams equipoise per week. Don't want to have 250 anthate because I aromatase quite a bit. Uh, no gyno, but a lot of water retention and face bloat. And don't want to use aromatase inhibitors because of cholesterol. Uh, using anti-estrogen aromatase inhibitors like Arimidex, Eximestane, uh, not not Eximestane actually, but Arimidex and Letrozole, they hurt your cholesterol levels, but Eximestane is actually okay for your cholesterol levels. Um, and he says, what are your thoughts on this? And yeah, so Equipoise doesn't, it doesn't really cause any estrogen increase because the estrogen that it does create when it interacts with the aromatase enzyme, the aromatase enzyme is that thing floating around in your blood 
that when it interacts with some steroids, it can transform them into estrogen molecules. So the estrogen molecule that equipoise uh, transforms into, estrone, it's not very potent. So you don't really feel an increase of estrogen using equipoise. So, I mean, I don't see a problem with what you're doing. Uh, personally, I think the point of a cruise, though, is to let your body, like, completely detox. Is equipoise going to, like, be toxic for your body? No. And you can probably get all your blood work to, like, looking great on that dosage. Like, it's up to you to experiment with it and then see what you can do and if you can get healthy on it. But, you know, the point of a cruise, I always try to remind myself this. The point of a cruise is that you're trying to get back to full health and give your body a break and not be running anything that uh, is going to be toxic or hard on your system. Because, uh, you know, if you've been using roids for a long time, and I'm sure that you have, you know, you're, you've, got your, you've got a handle on what you're doing with the gear and everything, and you know, I can tell that you know what you're doing, um, then I know that uh, for you and for, for everybody else that uses gear for a while, as soon as you get back on cycle, dude, it's like, it's like you blow up. Like even if you do get small or, you know, quite shrunken down or something off of cycle, it's like as soon as you go on again, it's like three weeks and you're just boom back to where you were before. And since the whole goal and the whole reason for coming off and doing the cruise in the first place is to like get completely healthy and completely recover from the stress of being on steroids, I just think that you know, whatever you do, if you use the equipoise with the testosterone or not, just remember the uh, the whole point behind why you're cruising in the first place. It's to get completely healthy and remove all stresses from your system. So make sure that what you're doing uh, reflects progress towards those goals. And usually those goals and knowing that what you're doing is good for them can be reflected in your blood work and doing things like taking your blood pressure. Those two things. Uh, next question is from Johnson. He says, I was wondering what is the average amount of steroid cycles someone takes till their natural pre-cycle testosterone levels never come back, say if they still follow proper protocol of HCG, clomid, Novodex, and AI use. Yeah, so in the last episode of the steroids podcast, ster podcast number nine, I talked about uh, you know how birth control works and how birth control pills uh, are estrogenic, progestogenic steroids and how the reason why they make women infertile is the same reason as uh, steroid, androgenic steroids like testosterone and other steroids make men infertile. So it's the same reason. And, you know, there's a spectrum and how long the women have taken the birth control to that matters, you know, and how long it takes to get their fertility back. Now, some of them, you know, they, they're on it for years and then they stop and their fertility comes right back, you know, like in a month or two months. Uh, but then others of them, you know, it takes like three to five years before they get their fertility back. And some of them, too, they also need uh, therapy like Novodex and Tamoxifen, Clomid and HCG and also follicle stimulating hormone, uh, which is uh, which is called uh, menopausal gonadotropin uh, hormone. Yeah. Eight menopausal human gonadotropin hormone. Yeah. HMG. That's what it's called. HMG is the injectable form of follicle-stimulating hormone. And that one's more important for uh, women's fertility than for men's uh, fertility. HCG, or the analog for luteinizing hormone, which is the natural hormone in the body, is the more important uh, chemical for men's fertility. So, you know, when, when a, a woman is infertile from taking birth control and she goes to a fertility doctor to, and they start giving her drugs, you know, for that, uh, it's the same drugs that, you know, men use for PCT because 
our systems work on the same principles. Uh, so you can usually always, no matter what, get fertile again. And, you know, if you just take like 3,000 IUs of HCG for a few weeks, I mean, it's going to make your testicles start functioning. That's just the way it works. So <laughs> I don't really, you know, there's there's guys who can get hypogonadal for years from using uh, and become sterile or infertile uh, and have low testosterone for years because of uh, using steroids. But, you know, if they go to a fertility doctor or they do things like using Novadex, Clomid, HCG, and HMG, human menopausal gonadotrophin, as a last resort. But if you're using all those things, like, I mean, you're going to be fertile, at least while you're using them. So, you know, it, the steroids, they don't destroy your testicles. They just turn them off. There's no signal anymore going to them to make them stop, to make them work. So then they're not creating anything. They're not creating any sperm. They're not cre creating any testosterone. They're like, they're like latent, like in hibernation and they shrink up but they don't get destroyed. And then when you start, uh, when you use like HCG or you stop taking steroids and use PCT drugs, then they, they go back to normal size. So me, me personally, I'm always creating sperm and testosterone because I take 500 IUs of HCG per week. And that's enough. Uh, I take that, I take that year round. I never stop taking it when I'm off steroids and when I'm on steroids, I always am on it. And that keeps my, my testicles working, uh, normal as natural. So that's what I do. Next question is from Ronald. What are your thoughts on using MK67 oral growth hormone along with human growth hormone to be more cost effective along with packing a bigger IGF-1 spike? I think that totally makes sense. Uh, I think like, you know, waking up in the morning and taking a shot of injectable human growth hormone and then um, taking an MK677, like 10 to 25 or 30 milligrams before going to sleep at night, I think that that would have like a considerable effect on growth hormone because all your growth hormone naturally is released at night anyways. So if you took that before going to bed, you know, if there was any negative inhibition of growth hormone release because of injecting that synthetic growth hormone in the morning, then, you know, growth hormone's pretty much done, done its job and out of the body 12 hours after injection. So it would have been long enough. And if there was any kind of like layover from that, then taking the MK677 would be enough signal for your pituitary gland to release that natural growth hormone. Uh, and I mean, that totally makes sense to me. I haven't tried it, but I've been thinking, I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking the same as you. I've been thinking that sounds like that would be good. And so I was thinking of the logic of it. And yeah, it sounds all logical to me. It sounds like a great way to take uh, take growth hormone shots and then maximize your own uh, growth hormone production at the same time and be cost effective. That makes sense to me. Next question is from Chris. Is there a way to hack boost natural testosterone into the high normal reference range long term without injecting testosterone? Would a cycle of HCG or anything else do that or will it only boost it short term? Yeah, taking HCG, uh, you can you can make your natural testosterone levels get up to like as high as if you were on steroids. But that will be temporary and then you'll desensitize your testicles to the effects of HCG. And then when you go off of HCG, then your normal... Uh, luteinizing hormone won't be enough to stimulate your testicles at all and you'll have uh low testosterone levels until your testicles resensitize to the effects of luteinizing hormone again because of if you abused hcg 
Uh, so that's why you wouldn't want to do that. Um, uh, but taking Nolvidex, taking Nolvidex at like 20 to 40 milligrams per day will double your testosterone, your natural testosterone. Um, it has some other effects too, uh, which are negative effects such as like lowering like IGF one, which is a muscle building chemical at the same time. But I mean, it does, it does double your testosterone levels. Uh, but there's nothing that you can take, you know, that's going to give you results like you're on steroids other than steroids and, you know, things that are like steroids, like pro hormones or SARMs or steroids, things that act on your hormone receptors. There's nothing that's going to give you no, nothing that boosts natural testosterone or boosts your own testosterone production. Nothing is going to do that. You can't get natural, those natural production of hormones. It never becomes anything near the way that putting uh, synthetic hormones from outside the body and injecting them into your body or taking them orally through your body, uh, that's way, way stronger. And that's how you get the effects of being on performance-enhancing drugs. Your natural body will never produce enough hormones or potent enough hormones um, all at the same time or whatever they need in order to look like you're on drugs when you're not. That's just not reality. All right, the next question is from Nepram. Hey, bro, I want to ask you something regarding performance enhancing drugs as I'm a natural athlete. I think this guy may be from um, uh, India and I'm organizing a natural competition in our state as a plate as a platform for natural athletes who are using performance enhancing drug. Okay. He says he's organizing a competition for naturals, but performance enhancing drug using athletes are entering the natural bodybuilding competition according to your knowledge what test will be the best test for such athletes as i'm not against steroids i just wanted to give a platform for natural athletes yeah yeah so he's wondering how to keep steroid users out so so yeah yeah absolutely uh so the thing is is that the tests for the urine tests those don't work uh because you can stop taking steroids a couple days uh before if it's a certain type of steroids and then uh then you won't have a bad test unless you were taking the steroids you know like a few days before or a couple weeks before or something you want to do something where it's going to have a more longer term effect than that the best way to do that is a lie detector test um people can still beat lie detector tests and uh you know pass them even if they're lying but they have to study a lot and practice a lot to be able to make that happen. And I don't think the guys that are going to be getting tested for the competition you're holding are going to be doing that. So if you do a lie detector test, you can ask them questions like, like, uh, have you ever used steroids? And they'll be connected to the, the lie detector test. And if they say no, uh, their body, uh, it will know. The, the test will know and say, because their body will let out signals that says, I'm lying right now. Your body has certain reaction inside when you lie and tell the truth. And uh, so that that lie detector test is going to be way more effective than something where you can test their urine. Because, like, for example, uh, stuff like Terinabol, that used to not be able to be detected for more than three days after taking the last tablet of the Terinabol steroid. And then in 2016... They discovered a new metabolite of that one, so now they can detect it for like three weeks after you've taken the last tablet. But still, 
I mean, that's how far back the technology is in, in detecting steroid use in blood and urine. It's, it's really primitive and it's not very good. So the best way that you can prevent um, having people on performance enhancing drugs in your natural athlete show um, is to do a lie detector test. Great question, Naprem. Thank you for asking. That was a great question, bro. Nick says, your opinion or experiences on test 400? Yeah, this is kind of the same opinion that I have as the uh, test mix where they, or the, sorry, the cut mix where they mix the test, the trend, and the Mastron in the same vial. They have to use a, little, a lot of solvents and a lot of chemicals that are not healthy in order to make this stuff uh, dissolve in the, uh, make so much hormone dissolve into the little bit of oil because uh, it's really potent uh, per one milliliter of oil. There's a lot of potent uh, hormones crammed into that on, you know, cut mix or testosterone 400 milligrams per milliliter, which is, that's what test 400 means. Um, cause the normal amount that fits into the normal, uh, solution or the normal, the normal solute that fits in a solution of one milliliter is 250 milligrams of testosterone. That's a, that's a amount of milligrams that fits well in one milliliter of oil. But in order to get more, so 400 milligrams and test 400 into that one milliliter of oil, well, they have to put a bunch of chemicals and shit in there. And so a lot of times it has worse post-injection pain and swelling. And also it's just bad for your body. And personally, I can tell the difference. I can tell the difference big time between gear that's uh, dosed, you know, like low milligrams per milliliter. And that feels so much more healthier and smoother for me than taking high dosed uh, milligrams per milliliter anabolic steroids. So yeah, I've used test 400 and yeah, it was really potent. It was definitely 400 milligrams per milliliter. So it was the right potency, but it kind of makes me feel a little bit sick. And uh, I'm not trying to do, you know, I don't want to have stuff added in there, all these chemicals and shit added in there that make me sick and they're toxic to me. So I just like to use testosterone 200 or testosterone 250 milligrams per milliliter. All right. And the last question for today is by Fraser. And he asks, hey, Dan, can you share a fertility protocol for users who are looking to optimize their prospects of having a child after using steroids? Yeah, I said this um, with with Chris and uh, or I said this with one of the, the questions today. I explained how to get fertility. And that is. When you, you use HCG and you use Nolvidex and you use Clomid, okay? You could use Nolvidex at 20 milligrams per day, Clomid at 50 milligrams per day, and HCG at 1,000 IUs three times per week. You could do that, and that's how you could start out. And then you could start ramping the dosages of all those things up if you still weren't getting fertile. Um, and if you were, you know, if you doubled... Or, you know, if you doubled all of those dosages and for a few weeks you still weren't fertile, then you could uh, do some troubleshooting by adding something in like HMG, human menopausal gonadotropin, and uh, taking that at like 25, 25 micrograms or something like that uh, a couple times per week. All right, guys, that was the last question for today on the Steroids Podcast. If you would like your questions to be answered on the Steroids Podcast, go to steroidspodcast.com 
and leave a comment with your questions or email or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroidspodcast on Instagram. Until next time.